This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent podcast about aviation careers. My name is Carl Valeri, and I'm here today with Sean Edwards, who's going to help us discover a new avenue of flying and a really interesting uh, place that you can go to actually build some hours or make as part of your career transition and where you want to set your career goal. Uh, before we get started, just a quick reminder, if you have questions, go to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You can write us. And uh, we are in our new digs. This is kind of cool. This is our first interview in the new studio. We're still setting it up, so I don't have all the sound dampening in here yet, So, uh, but it's uh, almost done. It's really exciting to have somebody uh, new to the world of aviation and uh, not, not, not new, new, but new to this job in aviation, which is really cool. Uh, Sean, welcome to uh, to Aviation Careers Podcast. Hi, Carl. Thanks. Great to be here. Well, Sean, you know, you reached out to me, and this is something that's great, and I you know, hope other people will do the same. If you have a story to tell and you have a, a different aspect of aviation, a different place to go to build hours, it's really cool to, to share that with other people that are listening right now because they may not think about that. They may not even think to apply to a specific job, and we're going to get into that in a minute. And, uh, and this is one that's really cool, cool what you're doing. But uh, before we get started, Sean, you, you've actually been in aviation for a little while, so tell us a little bit about where you are in your journey and why this is so exciting, your, your move uh, into this new career position or this career position you're in now. Yeah, sure. Um, so I got my private pilot's license back in 2008, and I had just graduated high school. And at that point, I never really planned on being a professional pilot. Uh, it was just sort of a fun hobby. And uh, frankly, I didn't know enough about the profession to even really consider trying to be a professional. Um, so what I had planned at that time was to go to college uh, as an engineer. And that is what I ended up doing. I got my engineering degree over the next four years. Um, but as I was doing that, I continued to fly, and I got my instrument rating. And over that time, I learned a little more about uh, what it takes to actually be a commercial pilot. And uh, so once I graduated, I started to have an inkling that that might be something that I would be interested in. So is that the engineering and the aviation, are, was that a hobby or, or are they correlated? In other words, did you get a degree that has to do with aviation? Uh, no, they, they were pretty separate. Um, cool. My uh, degree is in mechanical engineering, and once I graduated, I actually still wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do, and I applied to several engineering companies, and um, uh, long story short, I didn't get a job offer from any of them, and uh, as I reflected on it, I think when I went to those interviews, they could tell that it wasn't really what I was passionate about. You know, it wasn't really what I wanted to spend my life doing. And so after a little bit of introspection, I decided to to really try and become a, a professional pilot and give it all I had to go go in that career route. 
So that's cool. You really did have a passion for flying. I think that's awesome. There's so many other people that are listening right now that are kind of on the fence and thinking, hey, can I, should I make this move? And can I turn my passion and, and my hobby into my career? And, and you've done that. And that's really, really cool. So, so okay, so you went from the instrument and, uh, and then you started actually working in aviation before you even started flying. So tell us a little yeah, bit about that. Yeah, that's true. So once I uh, decided that I wanted to go all in with being a pilot, I applied to all the aviation-related jobs that I could find, and the place where I ended up getting hired was um, as a line service technician at an FBO uh, at John Wayne Airport in Southern California, and that ended up being uh, actually a very good move for me because I got to be exposed to the whole industry. I got to meet lots of pilots and see all the uh, business jets coming in and out of the airport. So it was a, that was a very good good step for me. So, you know, this is kind of interesting because I'm sure people are thinking right now, gosh, I'm thinking of getting into aviation, but should I think about going to work for an FBO? And I've told some people yes and no uh, based on uh, what your background is and also if you can have the discipline to make sure you go forward in your career and getting your ratings. Uh, But I'd love to hear your viewpoint. Do you think that it was a good idea to start working for the FBO and then move into aviation as a pilot? Oh, totally. Yeah, I uh, really got to be exposed to the industry and see things from a new perspective. Uh, you know, some guys go to like an aviation college and they learn a little bit about the business side of aviation. But since I did not go to uh, that sort of college, I really didn't know too much about um, you know charter flying and corporate flying and you know everything that goes into uh, not only paying for a flight, but what happens when it's on the ramp, like how much fuel does a charter jet take? Um, so I learned a lot. And um, more importantly, I got to do a lot of networking. I was talking to corporate pilots every day. And uh, that is definitely something that helped me move forward in my career. So you got to know the lingo, you, you got to understand the business, and you had this great networking opportunity that uh, you may not have been able to do going to maybe one of the larger schools, or you compacted it into this uh, this time frame, which was really cool, really short time frame. So from that point, you got your instrument rating, then you got on to, you started getting your, your other rating so you could actually fly commercially. How long did it take you to get to the point where actually getting paid to fly? And this tells a little bit about that journey as far as going from the instrument to the commercial rating, then getting a job. Yeah, sure. So uh, after I graduated college and when I started this job uh, as a line tech, I think I had about 200 hours at that point. And so once I um, started working at the FBO. I was also at the same time working on my commercial license at the local flight school. And um, so I was able to, over the course of maybe four or five months, uh, get all the training I needed to get my single engine commercial license. And um, at that point, I considered uh, doing the CFI because that's sort of the traditional route after you get your single commercial. Um, But as I was looking around, I was meeting guys who were getting hired uh, with charter companies with pretty low hours. And I thought, you know, I bet if I uh, if I really try, I could probably find some sort of charter flying job. And so 
I instead decided to invest that money in getting my multi-engine rating. And that uh, I did through an accelerated program that took about two weeks to finish that up. So you got this rating and you have this this opportunity to network with lots of different people. And that's probably why you lean more towards the charter side, because you have this huge field of opportunity there. And that's great that you took advantage of that. So then you went from that to getting this job, now landing this job that's really unique. And that's why I kind of wanted to have you on here is talk a little bit about this, because uh, what you do is really cool and, and different. And a lot of people, you kind of think outside the box a little bit about this as far as this job is concerned. Uh, but how did you actually find this job? And then how did you go about actually getting the job? Yeah, so uh, so first of all, there was a charter company there at the airport uh, who I was going to interview with because I had been able to meet the chief pilot there. And I was getting ready for that interview um, at my flight school with my instructor. And at that time, there was a different instructor there who said, oh, no, you don't want to work for them. It's going to take you forever to build your hours. And um, he did have a good point because that particular charter company uh, required um, each pilot to have a thousand hours a lot of times. So they would hire people even with you know three or four hundred hours, but the brokers that they worked with oftentimes required uh, each pilot to have a thousand hours. So some of the new pilots at that company uh, were not getting to do as many flights as they wanted to. And so this uh, this instructor who uh, was overhearing my conversation said, you know, my company uh, hires uh, pilots with fairly low time and, um, you know, I could uh, pass your resume along. Uh, it's kind of hard. You have to do a simulator evaluation to, to get the job. But uh, And I said, oh, yeah, it's worth a shot. Sign me up. And I gave him my resume and he passed it along. And I uh, got the interview, did the simulator evaluation, and uh, got the job that I have now. And that's cool that going back to the networking part of it, that you told people, you know, what you want to do. You, you told a lot of different people and someone overheard you and said, hey, listen, I, I know somebody that uh, you might be interested in or a company you might be interested in. And then went forward with that, which is really, really cool. So so the really one of the points I want to drive home is you never know it, who's listening, first of all. And who might be the decision maker? So let everybody know that you're interested in finding a job, and whether it's aviation, engineering, math, etc. Just let people know because you never know who you're standing next to or who the person will be that'll be the catalyst to getting you the job that's that's really cool and that you love. And and that's really cool that you did that. Uh, but uh, but the job you have now is is interesting. So I'll let you explain what you do because I have a lot of questions as to, to what it is you actually do. Yeah. So the job I do now, I am working for a department that we call California Medfly. And my company is a government contractor. And what we do is to disperse sterilized Mediterranean fruit flies over the Los Angeles basin. And to give a little background on why we do that, uh, it's actually kind of an interesting story once I finally looked into it. So back in the early 80s, uh, this fly called the Mediterranean fruit fly was starting to infest crops and causing uh, a lot of problems for farmers and agriculture. And 
So they were trying to fight it a bit with pesticides. They were doing some aerial spraying and the general public really didn't like that they were spraying pesticides and it became a huge political ordeal, you know, back in the 1980s and the governor nearly lost his job over it because there were so many people who were angry about them spraying pesticides. And uh, so finally, they figured out a different way to control the fruit fly population, which is called the sterile insect technique. And what that means is they take fruit flies that have been blasted with radiation and that makes them sterile, meaning they cannot reproduce. So we go up in the plane and disperse the sterile flies. They go and mate with the regular flies, but then there's no offspring. And so through doing that, we control the fruit fly population in a way that involves no chemicals or pesticides. Oh, that's that's amazing. So you're you're basically dropping some sterile fruit, fruit flies into the air. <laughs> yep. We're just zigzagging back and forth, dropping bugs. <laughs> that's, that's great. You know, it's interesting because in uh, Tampa Bay area where I spent most of my adult life, the you hear about the, the medfly flights, you know, and those guys going out there dropping these. And, I, and I'm assuming in the beginning, I was assuming that what they're doing is spraying. And I'm looking, I'm like, well, where's where's the applicator? And and then you realize it's not really like that. They're kind of dropping these out. Now, one of the things that's kind of interesting, and I don't know if you want to talk about this, but how in the world do you get them out the airplane? I mean, there's what's the device and how do they actually exit the aircraft? Yeah, sure. So in our aircraft, which is a King Air 90, um, we have all the seats in the back stripped out and there is a fly machine and the fly machine has a refrigerator to keep the box of flies cool at a low temperature and then at the bottom there are some augers that just auger the flies out and down through the bottom of the airplane through some chutes. Interesting. So it's really a, a simple process. Now in your job as a pilot, we'll talk a little bit about the flying, but I'm really curious. Do you do you get involved with this this loading of the the you know sterilized uh, fruit flies onto the aircraft and then uh, what else do you, as far as cleaning etc and and how much of a hands on are you? Uh, so, I basically show up to work at uh, you know seven in the morning and we usually wash an airplane or something in the morning and then I do my pre flight and then at eight a.m the CDFA, which is the California Department of Food and Agriculture, sends out their load of bugs. So there's a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff that I don't see where they're uh, kind of producing the flies and getting them ready to be dropped. And from my perspective, they just show up at 8 a.m. and I help load them onto the airplane, which is relatively quick. And uh, usually in another 20 minutes or so, we're off the ground and flying. Interesting. So tell me a little bit about the flying. I mean, I'm, obviously you must be close to the ground. So so what is a typical mission of uh, a MedFly pilot? Yeah, so um, the CDFA or the Department of Agriculture will choose where we're going to go. So there's basically about 26 regions that are defined over the L.A. basin and um, so they'll they'll choose which regions they want us to fly over and as we take off we will 
call-up approach. It's a SoCal approach down here. And we'll tell them, hey, this is MedFly 5, and we're going to Region 13 today at 2,000 feet. And so the controllers have maps. In fact, it's better than maps. I think it's actually pretty cool. Um, I went down there and visited the Tracon where the controllers are working. And so right next to their radar screen, they have a few buttons to overlay stuff on the radar screen. There's one for the Class Bravo airspace. There's one for minimum vectoring altitudes. And then there's one button, which is the MedFly regions. So we have our own button on the screen that shows the controllers <laughs> where each region is. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool. So so you're, you're the MedFly people. You know, it's uh, you're really that important that you rate that you have a section on the screen or, or an overlay on the screen at air traffic control. Uh, it obviously is something that uh, is put in place over time. This isn't something that, that you just go out and fly willy-nilly. In other words, there's, there's a lot of process that goes into where, when, how, etc. So the company that you work for and the organization obviously has gone out and, and decided, okay, this is where we need to go. But as far as your actual daily work, do you know, like, tomorrow what you might be doing or a week in advance or a month in advance? Um, not too much. It's uh, usually a, a mystery to me. And sometimes even I don't know where I'm going until after I've started the engines and I look at the region sheet and see where we're going today. But they're all pretty close. You know, we never go too far. It's all always within about a 30 mile radius uh, from where we take off um, and I've been to each region enough times now that I I know pretty well how to get there you know what the airspace is like you know how to negotiate with air traffic control to um, make them allow us to go into that region and it's often you know this is the LA basin so it's very congested we have uh, you know A380s coming in on the final to LAX, sometimes a thousand feet above us. So we do have to work very closely with air traffic control to make everything work smoothly. Interesting. Now, in your actual life, do you have to sit on reserve or on call, or um, you know what happened? What what's your work schedule like? You know, how many days do you work, etc. As far as the schedule goes, it's pretty straightforward. It's it's almost like having a nine to five, except it's uh, more like a seven to three. And um, I I currently work part time, so uh, I generally end up flying four or five days a week, and the schedule is just posted uh, a few weeks in advance. So I just look and see. Oh, I'm working Friday. Oh, I'm working Saturday. I'm off Sunday, and you know I kind of plan my schedule around around that. Interesting. So there's two other things that I think are important to people when they're choosing a career uh, or any type of path or any job is that, number one, does it get me to where I want to go? And number two, would it be a stop along my career and can I make uh, the rest of my career doing this type of flying? So I, I guess the, one of the things, if you're looking at building hours and to moving forward in your career to go towards an airline, let's talk about that first. Would you suggest this job, and how many hours do you get per year? So uh, definitely there are pros and cons to the job I'm doing now. Obviously, it's amazing that I was able to hop into a King Air with, I've had about 300 hours when I started, and so I've been building all this multi-engine turbine time, which is great. 
Um, some of the downsides are that the King Air 90 is less than 12,500 pounds. It does not require a uh, type rating or two crews uh, per the type certificate, and our operation is under Part 91. So even though we do everything in a two-crew environment, just like the airlines, I technically can only log the time where I'm physically manipulating the controls. So I end up logging about uh, half the time that I'm actually flying. So that has worked out to be about 50 hours a month, uh, which is still pretty good. Um, I'm definitely happy with uh, the progress I've been making. Um, and it's like I said, it's all multi-engine turbine time. The other downside, though, is uh, for our operation, um, I'm not building any cross-country time or night time, which you need for uh, the ATP or if you want to be a Part 135 captain. So I'm probably going to have to get another job before I'm able to actually uh, be qualified for the ATP. You're building the multi-time, you're building tournament time, but uh, like you said, no cross-country and, and night. So uh, what is your plan on trying to build those hours uh, for the ATP? What do, you, what do you think? What kind of things have you been looking at? Yeah, so right now I'm just looking at uh, some charter companies and uh, hoping to uh, maybe get on with them uh, before too long and do that for uh, maybe a few years. And at that point, I'll be ready to move on to the airlines, which is what my long-term goal is. And although I'm certainly keeping my eyes open for anything, I think there's a lot of good jobs out there in the charter and corporate world as well. Um, but right now, my main direction is the airlines. So are most people that you're working with looking towards moving on in their careers, or are there some people that are there making that the last stop in their career? Uh, most of the guys I work with are are planning on moving on. Uh, this is um, usually something uh, for most people just to build hours for a while. There are a few uh, guys who have made this their final stop on their career, but uh, mostly guys who want to move on to the airlines. So it must be a pretty good job and uh, as far as pay and benefits, too, in certain instances. So let's talk a little bit there, not asking your salary, of course, but in, in general, uh, what type of salaries can people expect uh, from doing this type of flying? Uh, well, I wish I had better news there. The pay for a first officer uh, in this job is not that great. Um, once you're a captain, uh, get up towards more of a livable wage. Um, but even then, it's probably not something that would be sustainable for someone's long-term career. Gotcha. Yeah, it's and there's there's jobs for medfly pilots all over uh, the U.S. Uh, in different regions. So would that help you if, say, you wanted to transfer somewhere else that you knew maybe you had a, an opportunity to fly as a flight instructor, et cetera? Is there, that, is there a community there of MedFly pilots, I guess, out there? Um, there's, there's definitely, uh, I would say, some community in, in the pilots of my company. Uh, my company has some other departments besides MedFly. And so, yeah, I've definitely, um, I've helped pilots at my company to move on to other places and I've had pilots from my company who are helping me to uh, look at some charter companies uh, right now so uh, yeah it's I would say there's a, a community among us 
So I assume you're pretty happy then with your choice to to move towards the charter side. I know there's there's a lot of people listening right now that are trying to decide, should I go charter, uh, should I go the CFI route? And one of the things that I think is great is obviously the fact you're building the multi-engine and you're building PIC, you're building the also the turbine time, which everybody thinks is really important, which is, uh, it puts you a little bit of a step above other people, which is nice. Uh, but then of course there's a negative there. Uh, but you know, as far as your decision, uh, you're pretty comfortable in what you've done here. And, uh, I think this is something that, uh, other people should consider. Uh, and of course we, I think that was great that you came up with those things where you were real transparent about the pluses and minuses of, of doing this. So, in general, um, would you, uh, as far as recommending it, again, you would recommend this to uh, people that are looking to build time? Yeah, I think for people uh, just starting out in their career, this is definitely a, a good job, yeah. So as far as number of hours, I know I'm going to get this question, is how many hours do you, you think you're going to build over a year, about uh, 500 hours or so? Um, it could be a little bit more than that, maybe around the 700-hour range. Okay. Maybe six to seven hundred, yeah. Well, that, that's respectable, and, and and that's a pretty good a job to to move you forward in your career. That that's pretty cool. Uh, well, man, this is this is kind of this has been really awesome. You're coming on and talking a little bit about the the med flying, and you know we hear them on the radio all the time, especially in Florida and Southern Florida. We'll hear them and. Uh, and not knowing exactly, and you, you brought a lot of light as to what they what the mission is. It's kind of cool to be able to fly and do something that actually helps people. And I think that's another important part of this job is that you're you're helping people because you're actually making sure that the crops can still grow and aren't destroyed by the medfly. So I think that's a that's a really really important thing that you're doing, and you can feel good about that. Uh, so there's not just the fact that you're making money and you're building hours. You're also of doing something that's really cool and really uh, good for for the people and, and the economy and, and for the world in general. Um, is there anything else uh, before we wrap up here? Is as far as the the medfly, the job, and and uh, the networking that you've done that you want you want to tell people that are still thinking about this and still thinking about gosh, yeah, is this something I want to do? Become you know a charter pilot? You know, this this you know this type of medfly type of flying where you're doing a lot of low level flying. Um, yeah, I would say, uh, overall, you know, you keep repeating and most people know now this is a great time to get into the industry. And, uh, so if you're considering it, I would certainly say to start now and move forward as quickly as you can. Um, one other thing I thought would be worth mentioning is, so like I said, for my job, I had to do a simulator evaluation, um, which basically consisted of an IFR flight uh, from one airport to another. And to practice that, what I did was to hop on to Microsoft Flight Simulator on my home computer and just do lots of instrument flying and lots of instrument approaches uh, just on my own computer. And that actually really helped me to get ready. So my, my thought was for anyone who is has some sort of evaluation or anyone more importantly who's working on their instrument rating, I would really recommend the investment in Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's like $25 and you can just get a joystick. And that uh, really helped me a lot because there's some things that transfer well between uh, a computer and the actual airplane. 
and some things that don't. But one thing that does transfer well is, is instrument flying. So I think that's an amazing investment for anyone trying to build their instrument skills. I think that's some great advice, Sean, because we're, uh, when you're going for an interview, like you said, with any airline, one of the things that they'll do is start picking out uh, uh, different types of approaches that you're going to do. And if you haven't practiced them, this is a great way to do that. You get your scan going. You also, uh, procedurally, it's really good because it helps you in that you can set up your procedures. Hey, you know, I forgot how to do a, a DME arc. Oh, I can go on my simulator and I can shoot 20 DME arcs and it's not going to cost me a dime except for the cost of the simulator. So that's some, some great advice there. One of the things that we see that's very challenging for people going into the airlines and the regionals especially is the fact that they don't have much uh, instrument flying time and the fact that, yeah, they, they just don't have the procedures down. And one of the great ways to get ready is is to get in a simulator. And I, I recommend that not just for the interview, but for, for your training. When you're going to the actual simulator training and you know you're going to have certain types of, uh, you know, oh gosh, procedures, et cetera, that, like I said, the DME arcs, that type of thing, go out and fly them and uh, try to do them at the airports uh, that you're going to go to uh, during that, that uh, flying and during that training. Uh, Sean, uh, you know, if there, is there anything else we want to go over before we, we kind of wrap up here? I think we've covered just about everything. Uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much everything that I think is uh, worth talking about. So I hope some people will uh, learn a little bit more about California MedFly. There's a few interesting websites that uh, talk about it. And um, yeah. We'll share those too. If, if you don't mind giving me some of those websites, I'll put them in the show notes. And uh, one of the things, if, uh, if you're listening right now, and you have a question for Sean, just feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. I'll forward those over to Sean. He'll either answer them through this podcast or answer you directly. Uh, but it's uh, I know there's probably some more questions we're going to have about what you do and, and where you are and that type of thing. So uh, I'd really appreciate uh, your answering those and uh, and appreciate your coming on. I mean, this has been been awesome. When I heard you uh, or, or saw the email and said, hey, you know, I've got this really cool job. And I want to tell people about it. I was so excited excited to hear that because we love to hear about other people's uh, jobs and their careers on this podcast, man. Yeah, yeah. Not only is it kind of a unique job that uh, a lot of people don't know about or never would have even thought about, but it's one of those elusive jobs to get from the 300 hours when you have your commercial license to the 1500 for the ATP it sure is, and the, it's a what better way to do it than building multi-engine turbine time, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's really, really cool. Well, Sean, it sounds like you are well on your way towards a career at the airlines or corporate or whatever you, uh, avenue you decide to go, and uh, you know, with your attitude and, and the fact that you're getting this flying experience and also the fact that you know how to network, I'm sure that uh, we're going to be hearing from you soon about the, the next step in your career. And, uh, of course, keep us, keep us up to date as to, to what's happening. Yeah, I'll definitely keep you posted. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much, and uh, and thank you for listening. This is uh, this is just so exciting to bring this to you. As a matter of fact, Sean, again, was my first interview here in our new studio in Lakeland, Florida. We're going to have some meetups, so if you could, go to facebook.com slash aviationcareerspodcast, and I will do some meetups here locally once I figure out how to do the platform and the events and all that kind of stuff. It's not that hard, but I, I'm going to do a couple of them, and then when I'm going to start doing that, 
is throughout the country as I travel, and uh, we're going to have a couple more meetups. So if you want to come see me and ask me questions in person, uh, we're going to start doing more of those uh, uh, events, I should call them. It's not just through meetup, but events and uh, talking to you in person. Well, folks, uh, this has been great talking to Sean. And uh, also, one of the things I want to stress is that just like Sean did, take that one step towards your career goal by going out there and finding out more about the job network tell everybody about what you want to do and you never know who might be listening so take that one step now take it today we'll talk to you next episode safe fly you have been listening to aviation careers podcast an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career this aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.